Hello everyone and thanks for tuning in to episode 9 of the Forbidden Love Rugby Podcast. I'm Reese, and this is the Welsh Rugby Podcast that returning chickens are proud to call their roost. There's a distinctly blue and black colour scheme to this episode as we are without our resident Ponty fan and some would say balance, Mikey. But I'm pleased to say we are welcoming back Ed following his brief sojourno in Rome. Over the course of this episode, we'll be bringing you Welsh rugby news, a recap of Wales' capitulation in Edinburgh, and thoughts on short-term solutions with England looming on the horizon. Then, we'll be covering the Welsh pathway sides, round 14 of the URC, and as always, our forbidden loves of the week. So, with that all out of the way, let's get started with this edition of the Forbidden Love Rugby Podcast. Uh, hello Ed, how have you been bud? Buonasera Reese. <laughs> Excellent Italian, see they've uh, been <laughs> teaching you well out there. Yeah, um, been good, back from my little jaunt to Rome, which was amazing. Uh, yeah, it was great. Actually on the train out of Rome, on the way, uh, on Saturday, we passed a local club which has a pitch right next to the tracks so who were just in the middle of a game. On what looked like the most driest, rockest, hard <laughs> rugby pitch I've ever seen that I would not want to go anywhere near. Yeah, <laughs> once you get uh, south of the Po Valley, those those fields start to become a little bit arid. <laughs> yeah, uh, so we are sorry to say Mikey can't be with us tonight. He's uh, otherwise engaged. So, well, we'll try and keep it. Well, we try and keep our Cardiff bias out of things, but uh, <laughs> the, the ghost of Mikey will be haunting us, I'm sure. So, um, <laughs> so yeah, uh, just to say thanks for listening wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, please subscribe and rate, etc. It really does help us. You can find the podcast on Twitter at FLRugbyPod. You can email us on ForbiddenLoveRugby at gmail.com. Or you can find me on Twitter at RJJBlueAndBlack. How do people find you, Ed? I am uh, on Twitter at EddieRugbyEBlack. Double D, double Y, rugby. Uh, and yeah, that's the best place to message me. I'm not very active on it, but you know, <laughs> I'm there. <laughs> Lovely stuff. And just because he's not here, you can also find Mikey at Mikey S. Harris. He does say it's all lowercase. He doesn't know if that matters. <laughs> right. Shall we begin with yet more troubling WIU news? <sighs> just when you think there's no more... Scrape to the barrel left. I I don't know if I'm ever going to feel comfortable thinking that. Uh, So yeah, this time uh, it's allegations of homophobic comments about Nigel Owens, who has spoken in some depth recently about uh, how that affected him growing up. Yeah, well, I I read the article that came out and uh, I think he he said he only came out in 2007. So... uh, you know, he obviously had to deal with it a lot, especially in West Wales in a rug- in rugby community and being a referee yeah, <laughs> to yeah. start with. Um, but uh, as I said to you just before we started, it was like another one of those situations where it's heartbreaking but not surprising. Yeah. And yeah. Um, it, I, I just remember reading the article and, and it, I think it was a... 
an employee who was there and just witnessed like people just openly being homophobic without any um you know consequence or or like um sort of clap back from anyone and the, i think when we were talking off air about this um i think one of the things that stood out was they weren't at him they were about him behind his back mm-hmm. as if you know they're just acting this sort of cowardly underhanded horrible way behind his back yeah and i imagine they're very pally to his face yeah oh you you can see it can't you because he's such an asset to yeah Welsh rugby because he's a personality he's w- w- very well liked around the world and you know that like they were like oh you know keep him on his side but behind his back it's like oh but yeah. this and that and it's just it, like you can just envisage what it, you know the whole conversation by these types of people and it's just yeah. oh. did you um speaking of you said he came out in 2007 do you remember the story about how he came out oh yeah wasn't it he was on Jonathan or something and he was like literally jumped out of a closet oh I said it was New Year's Eve and he said he did he, he chose to do it that way because he knew his parents wouldn't be watching but <laughs> That's tu- right. it turns out the New Year's party they were at it was on the, the next day his dad <laughs> the joke went completely over his head and just went what the hell were you doing in that cupboard last night <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Um, but I, I, similarly, in that same article, there were also more allegations and accusations of uh, sexism, including comments about uh, it's good to see a woman not working in the kitchen, something mm-hmm. along those lines. Um, so, I mean, hopefully we can see an improvement now that these things have come to light. Uh, how confident are you about that? Um I'm excited for it to get going. I think it's starting tomorrow, actually, the yes. independent uh, review. Was it today? Because I, I saw Monday in the article, so I don't know if that meant Monday <laughs> today or a week today. I don't know, because then I'm sure I saw, I've read the article and I, and I feel like it said starting tomorrow, but then I could have been reading it today and it was Sunday, or yeah. like you said, <laughs> yeah. time is irrelevant when you've just come back from holiday. Yes. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, so I'm excited for that to happen. Um I feel like now with the weight of the allegations and revelations behind it and how open it is to everyone about what's happened, I feel like it's going to be completely different this time around. I mean, I hope. Yeah, I mean, it feels like the modernisation movement's got a little bit of traction. So you're starting to see people talk a bit more about maybe changing the branding getting away from the sort of blazer culture Uh, i think nigel walker came out and said the makeup of boards in the immediate future is going to have to consist of a certain number of women yeah so the mood music is good Mm. it's a question then of even if it is platitudinous does it stick and does it change the culture because i guess you probably do have to uh make some maybe even false platitudes in the first instance to change the culture, to shock it into changing. Yeah. And then carry on from there, maybe. Yeah, I think you're totally right. And um, it's like the right things are being said. I think Nigel Walker, initially, I know you weren't too uh, impressed with his with his um, showing on Scrum 5, but I know a lot of people have been uh, since and quite confident with the way he's going about things. And I, I read something on Twitter earlier as well about actually... The Blazers up in Edinburgh this weekend. And, I saw this. Um, yeah, and it was like shocking to see <clears throat> the attitude still just being paraded around by them. But um, they made a point in this um, piece to to say that Nigel Walker was never a part of it. And yeah, 
like the Sunday morning breakfast at the hotel, he was he was um, with just sat with his wife away from it all, and you know that's reassuring to see. And I think he does want to distance himself from it. And I guess you know he's probably like in such a minority still of people that want to fight against this. So it's it's a case of I think you've got to remove the rot and and then start again. And I I feel like once these independent reviews come out and people are called to account the only way forward is to is to cut cut them out you know whether that's through mandatory um resignations or uh uh, not uh, retirements or um i can't think of the word now but um getting rid of some of the uh (laughs) the personnel there i mean i think with Nigel, he's probably not necessarily a business person but I think he probably does have some sort of role as a, a moral compass. Mm. Um, I, I think he's useful there. I mean, he, you know, he's been good as a performance director for the women's team and things like that. And it, it does feel like he does care about the perception of the WIU. Yeah. Like, yeah, I mean, you know, he was a very light player. I remember when I was younger, he was one of my favourite players. And... Um, I know he went away and he, he worked with the uh, British Olympics board, was it? I think and, so, yeah. And, and I know he was in, held in very high esteem when he was in that role and had done great things there. And I don't doubt that he suffered his own form of persecution just yeah. just growing up and living. Yeah. And so he probably has such a good idea of what it's like being on the other side of the, of the window. And um, mm-hmm. I hope that, you know, with that experience, he'll know the right way or to approach things or how they need to be done to enact change and um, uh, yeah I think um, <clears throat> yeah I just yeah agree with what you said yeah <laughs> yeah so um, moving on from that aspect of WRU failings this uh, uncertainty about contracts has led to speculation and that Liam Williams may be off to Japan. I mean, first of all, what you, what's your sort of gut feeling about that? Um, I well, you know, I, he's done the big money move to Saracens, so mm-hmm. I wouldn't put it past him. I think, um, you know, he's getting on a bit now. He's still got it in him to to play well. Uh, but do you think? Oh, I've got an opportunity. You know, you, everyone knows about the money involved in Japanese rugby at the moment. I think if I was in his shoes, knowing that I'm coming towards the tail end of my career, I'd probably jump jump at it, at the yeah. opportunity to go. And I feel like <laughs> I'd like to be a fly on the wall of Liam Williams in Japan because yeah, I yeah, find that'd that be very interesting. It, it could be a it could be a, a lot of life lessons from not being in Japan. <laughs> yeah. um, uh, I, I think it from a Cardiff point of view, it would free up his salary, which is going to be quite high. Yes. Uh, I'm not sure how much of his salary the WIU are contributing right now. But I, I think, I mean, Fruno Fault has only broke his collarbone at the start of the season. Uh, mm. and next season, he's going to have the World Cup, so he's not going to be available until December. <laughs> uh, yeah, then you've got the derbies, which you know, he may or may not be playing in if fitness allow in. And then it's Six Nations. So we wouldn't see a lot of him next season anyway. No. Maybe, yeah, maybe it does shore us up and we could buy a sort of solid... Week in, week out, player. Yeah, I I think um, I totally agree with you to be honest, and that's coming from when when Josh Adams was being touted with uh, 
a huge money move to France. And I remember mm. you saying like, yes, it would be disappointing to see your superstars go as a fan, but also as a fan, you've got to look at the um, availability of those players week in, week out, like you said, and um, the wages alone. And I think as great as I, I as excited as I was to see Liam Williams come, I've enjoyed seeing him play for Cardiff. And I feel like, you know, injuries aside, the times he has put on the Cardiff shirt, I think he's he's given it all and he's played mm. really well. But, um, you know, with the youth coming through in the Cardiff team and the amount of money that we would get from that sale, I just think probably would be leaning more towards him actually going and staying. Yeah, and there's, there's bound to be a sort of, you know, let, let's say at regional level, Liam Williams is a seven and a half out of ten the weeks he plays. There's bound to be a six and a half out of ten available to us for the entire oh, season yeah. who's like a dependable sort of hybrid utility back type guy. Um, so yeah, I mean, hopefully, I mean, however it goes, like I just hope that, uh, yeah, I, I hope he gets to just extend his career, make a little bit of cash maybe. Um, yeah. Yeah, and I don't think he'd leave any hard feelings particularly. No, no, I don't think he would. If he does go, I don't think he would have been at Cardiff long enough for no, anyone no. to have developed hard feelings. Remember that <laughs> season when Liam Williams played for us? Oh, yeah. Those three games. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, right, shall we continue the descent down this slippery slope and talk about the weekend, the, the capitulation up in Edinburgh? Mm-hmm. Um, you weren't able to watch it live. No, so um, <laughs> to avoid uh, my partner and I spending 300 odd quid, uh, um, we decided to fly out Wednesday and come back Saturday mm-hmm. and not taking into account the game. I just was looking at the option for spending as much time in Rome as possible. Yeah. So we went from like 300 odd quid flights to 60 pound flights. Beautiful. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which meant that flying back was bang on during the game. Uh, luckily my partner was a legend and said I'll drive back from Stansted if you want to watch the game on catch up so I was like uh, yes <laughs> and um, just wish I'd never watched it <laughs> <laughs> I, um, I remember once funny enough I was flying back from Rome and I was well I wasn't trying to avoid a spoiler but it was the night of the 2019 general election oh, God. and I was in the air whilst the exit polls came out so everybody on the plane was like tense, like waiting to see what the exit poll would say. We landed, everybody started getting texts through with, with like this Tory majority of 80 seats. There's this collective sort of, oh. <laughs> Yeah, so it's like about flights home from Rome and landing to bad news. <laughs> Turning around, drive. Yeah, we're going, we're going back to the eternal city. We might um, stay there forever. So yeah, I watched it on catch-up um, in the car from uh, on the way back from Stansted and... Um, like there was some highlights uh Shunza particularly was amazing and I remember watching in real time his chase back for yeah Duane van der Merwe and I was like even if Liam Williams wasn't there like Christ uh, was catching him all day long and yeah that was amazing I remember reading an article about his PE teacher who was saying like he's just one of these talents that was anything he did he was um, excelled at and he did mention in there about 200 meters sprint and yeah. I was just like you could see it in he, him there and then like he's a rare example of a, of a Welsh athlete like a full on <laughs> athlete why do they all come from Whitchurch I know there's, some, there's something in the water in the uh, in the northern reaches of Cardiff there 
Um, so, yeah, I guess general feelings for me, just doom, negativity, all of our chickens come home to roost. Yeah. Feast and famine, you know, we fed the senior male team back in 2008, and yeah. now we're in the famine, and we're paying for that, I think. Yeah, like um, Josh Gardner from the Blood and Mud podcast put a tweet out, and I think he kind of like summed up how I was feeling, and it was a case of like he wasn't, I think you said he wasn't upset with how things were going because we've had it for so good for so long it's just our time to be a bit shit and mm. <laughs> I mean it's never easy to accept that as a fan but I kind of like the sentiment I think I agree with and I would say that it's probably the case of it like rather than being a slow decline it's been almost uh, off the edge of a cliff yeah and I mean I, I mostly agree with Josh and a lot of things apart from his uh constant misnumbering of Cardiff <laughs> but um, with this one I don't think it's Wales being a bit shit because we we went from number one in the world in 2019 to being beaten by Georgia and Italy at home like that's not a bit shit that is utter garbage yeah. <laughs> so th- I think with some proper investment in 10 years time you can iron out the peaks and troughs you know we might be jumping from first to fifth and staying in that sort of mm. echelon but like you know we're, we're currently I'd say we would be comfortably comfortably beaten home or away by New Zealand South Africa Australia Argentina Ireland Scotland England France you know and you wouldn't be surprised if Italy and Georgia beat us in their own backyards because they've beaten us in Cardiff mm. I'd say there's, there's and then I don't even talk about the Ireland sides there's potentially 15 teams that I would be afraid of playing right now. <laughs> Are you saying you're putting Leinster in? Uh, yeah, no, Leinster would hammer <laughs> Wales right now. Yeah, 100%. Um, yeah, no, I agree with you on that list. Um, uh, I think it, it's right. Like, you you know, you're kind of scratching the surface there of, of, of investment in, in the structure and, and the pro game in Wales because it's like... We, I think we mentioned it before in a previous episode about the difference between the IRFU is investments into academies yeah. and the WIU's investment into not rugby things. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, look at it this way, man. Like, it's investment into things their mates will like. So, you know, you, you can imagine, oh, like a sort of drunk evening in some club in Cardiff somewhere where they, they, they just shoot in the shit. And one of them goes, what if... You had a hotel that was attached to the stadium that we could sleep in the night before a game. <laughs> and they've just gone with it. Well, that's a great idea. Yeah, right. I, I, I draw it, you build it. Right. And, you know, like, and, like, and that's a lot of cash. Well, you know, when they could, and, you know, eventually it might turn a profit, but no hotel owner on earth who owns and operates one hotel is making enough money to also fund professional rugby. <laughs> yeah. Like, you know, Basil Faulty wasn't able to run Torquay <laughs> AFC, was he? It's almost like they have been inspired by Faulty Towers. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, Do I still haven't been in the uh, the parkade for a drink or anything? I haven't either, actually. Mm. Um, we should maybe do a bit of recce. Go, go down for a... We'll just go down for an afternoon and see, what's, uh, see where the crack is. bask on the seed. Yeah. The seediness. Yeah. See how much it is for a martini. <laughs> oh, any specific negatives from the game you want to get off your chest? Um, line out. Yeah. Uh, Did you notice? Because I, so I was, I was flooding the WhatsApp thread with criticism the entire <laughs> game. Um, but I noticed that I think in the first half they put Shinzer up for 
all but one line out. I there was there was so little variation. It seemed to be, and um, I didn't uh, um, sort of pay that much attention to who was going up where, where, but like you know, just just through memory alone, it did seem like he he went up for the majority of ball. And obviously, if you're an international forward, then you will pick up on that quite quickly and then just put up anyone wherever Shinzo was. Yeah, that's what um, I thought. I mean, I, I thought it would have been quite straightforward for Ireland, uh, Ireland, for Scotland. I'm still still on over last week. For <laughs> Scotland to have just gone, right, well, Shinzo's there. He's gone up for the last three. So he's probably going up this time. <laughs> Maybe Wales are trying to play this really bad sort of poker face where they're like okay once they start thinking we're only going to Shinza that's where we hit Beard yeah and they're like okay we're 10 line outs in and we're still hitting Shinza yeah yeah <laughs> but um, uh, yeah the, the I know there's a disruption because it's a whole new pack but it's like these are the things you train you know day in day out when you're a professional forward I, I would assume is combinations and, and uh, line outs uh, setups and it's almost like it just still isn't working yeah now, I, I don't know what sort of game plan Thomas Williams has been asked to play when he's on the pitch. But he's, have you noticed he's so casual mm. around the breakdown? Like, him building the caterpillar takes ages. And then when you think he's going to kick it, he asks for one more forward. <laughs> um, and his passing, and I think at one point, he was just sort of having a casual little lateral trot. And he looked like he's about to pass. I think one of the Scottish players just knocked his arm. Yeah. And it, it, I don't know if he's just like, Gatlin said, right, just play it cool or if he's just I don't know like it's almost like seems to be as as more the more he plays the sort of more nonchalant he gets with with his his style because it's like you know you could go back to that charge down try he did against Argentina in, in the um uh, summer series last year where he kind of like charged it down um, went in and scored the try and just didn't even celebrate. He was just like, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah well, cool. you know, that's, that's how I roll. But the thing is, I feel like he must be being asked to play like that because Gatlin continues to select him. Mm. And like, because Webb, when he comes on, is completely different. Yeah. Uh, he's a, there's a bit more zip about it. And I'm not saying that Thomas Williams has been asked to be zippy and can't achieve it. I'm saying because Gatlin keeps picking him, he must be doing what Gatlin's asking. Yeah, do you wonder if like Gatlin's kind of getting him to sort of play more sensibly and slow it down and like play um, in a way that is more um, establishing pods and like yeah. structured yeah. whereas like you know when Webb comes on it's not structured at all <laughs> yeah. and um, the other thing I made a note of was uh, at one point we had an attack in scrum and we were called offside off our own attack in scrum now I haven't seen that in a professional international game Ever, I think. Uh, yeah, same. I, I can't remember. Like, you know, you're five metres out. That is like what people say, a coach killer. Yeah. You know, it's like, you could see, it was almost like, again, was this Thomas playing it too slow? Yeah. Because you could kind of like, when when they did show the wider shot, you could see sort of like... Um, the creep. The, the creep by Bigger and Josh Adams. And I think Josh Adams was just expecting it one or two seconds sooner. But he's so quick over a short period a short um, distance Josh Adams that, like he was there before Thomas had lifted it up off the yep. floor and you know it's just like that happening five years out you're just like oh guys you know this, this is basic rugby <clears throat> well it's, it's so rare and it's so basic 
I didn't even realise there's a thing you could do. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't even realise you could be offside of your own career. Yeah. Apart from like being obviously uh, beyond where the you know the, the, yeah. the line of the middle is. Um, another thing I've got here is no points from the first five or six entries into the twenty-two. Mm. Seems to have been the constant I feel for Wales, like the amount of entries we've had uh, and have failed to take points. Like I thought. Um, Oh, there was one or two early occasions where we went for lineups instead of kicks, and it's just like if you know a game's going to be tight and you're playing away, it wasn't I, tight. <laughs> like I, I kind of feel like surely you've got to take those points and get points on the board. It's like tick over, you know, get into the twenty-two, get into a, a scorable position, take the points, reset, go again. It's just it's frustrating to see, and I don't think like. It's almost like Wales are playing with a bit of arrogance that they will score when they're in a transitional period at the moment. Mm. So they should be playing it sensibly. I, I think it's a problem we saw a lot with Pivak as well as we only seem to look like scoring off driving walls. Mm. We did create a little bit of space and I guess this brings us on to the sort of interplay between Bigger and Dyer that game. So there was a point where the Scottish kickers were moving our back three around a lot and Dyer threw a pass to Bigger, which I didn't think was particularly bad. Um, and then Bigger seemed very unhappy with it. And then later on, there was that unnecessarily flash pass out the back from Bigger, which Dyer then failed to convert mm-hmm. to a try. What, what do you make of Bigger? I think Dyer obviously is very green still. What, six or seven internationals into his career? And I, like, I know there's things that need ironing out, but I'm still very excited to see him play and watch him play because I feel like he's still got that raw talent about him. I think with the Dyer pass to Bigger in the 22, it was a case of, um, I think, Dyer playing quicker than Bigger at that point. And I think Bigger wasn't expecting it because I think if you look at it again, he's almost taken another step Hmm. and kind of like half looking at Dyer. And then when he looks up, the ball's coming towards him and he kind of snaps at it. And I, I, I didn't like to see him yelling at Dyer no like it's, it's kind of like that situation where you've got to know a person to know how they react to certain yeah. responses and Dyer like, he just seems like such a nice guy that mm. I, I, just, I just you know it's like it's like me playing rugby now like a lot of the people that come to our team are very very new to rugby people who've never even touched a rugby boy in their life and you know you can't get upset with them when you play them because yeah. they're new to it so you've got to you kind of got to respond to mistakes they make in a positive way and I feel like when you're new to an international then maybe that's the way to approach it it was a bit you know a bit, bit bigger seems angrier than ever to be honest these yeah days. he's I think he and Tipperick are losing their heads a bit when I've seen yeah. them play international rugby now um, I don't know if it's frustration that they aren't quite as sharp maybe as they used to be um, their bodies aren't doing the things their mind want them to do anymore well talking of that George North yeah um, yeah so if we get on the specific neg well no we're still on specific neg <laughs> yeah that, that North looks like well A you know another head injury stayed on for potentially longer than he should have and then he, he got gassed a few times yeah um, yeah so firstly on the head injury like I know a lot of people are calling for situations where you are the recipient of a high hit. You yeah. should also go off. I think so. Away. I think it should be protocol. You know, if you're the recipient of a of a head contact collision, you should go off immediately and be assessed immediately because 
you know, you could take another head contact within the time you're on the pitch still, and but, it's very dangerous. Well, funny enough, uh, Philippa Tertigay was on uh, Scrum 5 last night, and she mentioned it's not just the contact, it's getting up, getting down, mm. accelerating, decelerating. Yeah. So if you've had a head knock and then you're doing those things, you are putting sub-concussive events on top of potentially concussive events without doing anything particularly arduous. Yeah, and... I, I think, um, like you said, I think you, you made like a little quip in the group, like it's George North's millionth yeah. <laughs> head knock. Yeah. And um, I think he should have gone straight off. But uh, aside from that, then it was the watching the game, obviously, in the car. I remember he was kind of like angling his body with Duane van der Merwe, almost being like, go on, mate, take the outside. Go on, take the outside. I dare you to. Yeah. I just remember watching it live and thinking, don't give him the outside. Yeah. <laughs> don't give him the outside. Oh, you've given him the outside and he's gassing you. And then from nowhere, <laughs> Shinza comes to save the day. Like, yeah. And uh, moving on to that thing, because we've, we've already spoken about Shinza, I guess. Uh, yeah. Specific positives. Well, <laughs> Shinza, but yeah, we will, we, you know, we'll talk about that for the rest of the pod. Um, Beyond that, I'm struggling. I like. I know I've mentioned Dyer already. He he had moments, mm. uh, and like he does. I do feel like he's he's having moments in games, and he does. He he's so <laughs> he's so strong as a runner that then he runs he runs lo- like lovely and upright, and I feel like he breaks he breaks a lot of tackles as well. Um, but other positives. Um, well, yeah. <laughs> you've got a driving more try. <laughs> I think there was a there was a point towards the end where you know we were starting to look a bit more threatening, and Kari had an excellent carry. Yes, oh that yeah, good yeah. And I think it was preceded or followed by a, a weirdly good George North carry as well. I think they they must have made a combined sort of ten meters between the two of them. Mm. But you know, at that point, the Scotland sort of just zoned out and. You know, what's the point in attacking Kari? We won the game. Just yeah. let him score, like you know. It's... Yeah, um, it's it's like it's almost hard to tell, isn't it? When yeah. you come on as a player and you you're against a team that have mentally won the game, you know, creaks do start, um, cracks do start appearing in defenses. Mm. But not taking anything away from Kari, I thought he was immense when he came on. Um, I would like to see him start against England. I know we'll get onto that later. Yes. But um, he was definitely a positive when he came on. Same with Leon Brown. I know, okay, he had a few scrummaging issues. But I find the scrummaging so far in the Six Nations has been so hit or miss when it comes to refing. Like, I remember watching some of the scrums in the Italy-England game. And, like, the English prop is so angled in. Yeah. And the Italian prop was, was you know, square on. And I'm just like, what are refs watching in these situations? Yeah. It's almost... It's almost like they're just so focused on one aspect of a scrum that they're looking for the full foul there rather than the scrum as a whole. And the thing is, we can see that off an overhead camera. The mm. ref can't. Um, and yeah. I'm, I'm wondering if TMO intervention is potentially required there. Yeah, like <coughs> I, mean, I don't see why a TMO can't bring up the overhead yeah. view yeah. and watch that and yeah. then feed, feed into the ref live yeah. as it's happening because... You know, like you said, the overhead view is so good for seeing when 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 props are obviously angling in or you know pulling down or whatever. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, I thought um, I enjoyed it. Leon Brown when he come on, but I, you know, I know I'm a bit of a fan of his anyway. Yeah. Um, Reese Davis uh, didn't have a bad showing when he came on, I th- and also Dow Jenkins from the start. I thought yeah. was uh, was really good. Yeah, like. Um, 
I would like to see him continue with Sarah. Uh, <laughs> I wrote this down when I was doing my prediction for the England game. I put Dav Jenkins and Seth Davis. <laughs> <laughs> that's my, that's my second rows. Um, but yeah, Adam Beard and Dav, I'd like to yeah. see continue now and sort of grow a good partnership. I think so. Um, but yeah, outside that, to be honest, it's difficult to... Yeah. I um, do need to say a, a word for Scotland here. I thought, first of all, Finn was on fire. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> You know, potentially partly due to an armchair ride from his forwards and that's just folding but he was just allowed to do Finn things mm. and uh, I thought this centre partnership was just excellent again like I've always had a bit of a soft spot for Hugh Jones I, I've always rated him and yeah to see him and uh, Tupelo to uh, just uh, combining like they are I think is it's been great yeah it has been great and I think you know I didn't even care that the pass was forward <laughs> <coughs> let's not talk about that we yeah. just sound like bitter Welshmen <laughs> which we are <laughs> yeah but I, I think Scotland are one of the few teams I don't mind losing to yeah it's like it was so weird because even though I predicted a Scotland win for this match I was like any Wales game I go into I still want us to win oh, of course yeah um, but it's like it's almost like I think Scotland have always been my second team you know I've got family in Scotland yeah uh, and I, I've always like you know wanted them to win who against whoever they're playing except Wales yeah. and uh, so it was kind of like one of those situations like oh, I'd love a Welsh win but I also kind of want Scotland to win because it'd be great to see them do well or even potentially win the championship. Mm. Um, so yeah, of all the you know teams to lose to, Scotland are the yeah. I think their fans just get it. Yeah, like, you know they're, they're fine. <laughs> There's not a lot of braying or there's no. not a lot of bad winners. There's not a lot of gloating. Uh, yeah, it's um. Like seeing how they're going about these first two matches is really um, um, making me reminisce about our 2005 Grand Slam mm. and the first two matches we won and the sort of like momentum and yeah. traction that comes with that and like the excitement of buzz around, uh, you know, the fans of the national team. And it's kind of like I, I can sort of feel that coming from Scotland as well. Yeah, and it's not just beating Wales for the, in Scotland for the first time in a while. It's it's the manner they did it. Mm. Yeah, yeah, I, like they they definitely um, they uh, carried on their form from the England game. Like you know, it, I think they proved that the England game wasn't a fluke. They are a bona fide good team, and they're finally clicking and playing good rugby. Yeah, and and winning deservedly, not winning by fluke or, you know, anything else. Yeah. Um. So before we go on to changes for England, did you manage to catch any of the other two games at all? Um. I I saw um most of the England Italy game. I mm-hmm. think I missed the first sort of twenty minutes or yeah. so. Uh, and I've just seen bits and bobs of the Ireland France game. Did you see Dupont's tackle on the try yes. line? <laughs> like physics defying like the strength on the guy like I remember um, I watched that with my parents and my dad was just astonished by the strength on the guy because he's so little yeah and he just like pulled him back it was I, I could watch that over and over again that sort of ratchety sort of power strength yeah I, I have watched it numerous <laughs> yeah. times like I mean you couldn't go on Twitter without seeing it yeah. <laughs> seeing Incredible. it on the feed and it was just unreal like this, it's, it's sort of like like you say, it's just everything about that just should not, it should not work. Like, yeah. he, you know. He didn't have him, he had his shirt. Yeah, you know, he kind of like seatbelted yeah. around him. And like, but like he wasn't facing him. They were both facing the same way, but uh, but Dupont wanted him to go backwards. Yeah. But like, 
everything was on Hansen's <coughs> side to have, <laughs> to have scored that. Yeah. Ah, oh, I just like. Yeah, the pure, man is a freak. Pure strength. <laughs> Um, there wasn't really a lot to say. I mean, that that game was just excellent from start to finish. It was, it was a proper treat. Um, I'm glad it came before the Wales game actually, because it was just I'd have been too dis- like, despairing <laughs> to have enjoyed it. I think um, I don't think there's a lot to say really then. But the England Italy, it was business as usual for that fixture. Yeah, um, I think Italy showed signs. Um, I feel like Italy are so close. Um, but then they kind of like I think they still have players that just play with a bit too much individualism mm. and they do things that um, you know like end up like just completely uh, losing all momentum yeah they did lose they seem to lose their shape quite a lot mm. I thought especially at later stages of the game and I guess focusing a little bit on England now because they are our next opposition uh, does it look like it's starting to click for them or, or are they just always supremely confident against Italy and... well they're still the only team that haven't lost to Italy in the Six Nations yep. and it, like I think they just for some reason they just constantly batter them yep. I wouldn't say they battered them yesterday but uh, I don't think at any point they looked like they were going to lose that match yeah I agree um, Joe Marchant was just epic um, I'm so glad to see him getting his chance for England because he's been he's been so close to it and he's been there and thereabouts for years and arguably should have been ahead of Manitou Aggie years ago but you know everyone knows how much Eddie Eddie Jones loved him but hmm. uh, it almost feels like it is starting to click I I think yesterday proved that the um, uh, oh god I can't even remember his name now. Uh, Marcus Smith. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> or, him, or, or, yeah. Already gone up my mind. <laughs> Never heard of him. <laughs> I think the Marcus Smith Owen Farrell axis. He's a it, poor man's Jared Evans. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe with that. <better. laughs> um, it's just not working. I think. I think yes, they proved that. I think they look. They look deadly. They look drilled. They yeah. looked um, threatening, and Martin was just absolutely loving everything. Every opportunity he had to to hit that ball up, he took and. Um, yeah, I just think you know the Farrell March and Slade axis is is probably I would I would bet the the sort of set formation going forward. Yeah, I mean, sorry, sorry go on. You, I, you, just quickly, Marcus Smith. Um, you you know he's still a quality player, and to be able to bring him on later in the game is 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 an option that most fans uh, most coaches would absolutely bite your hand off for. Yeah, um, I'm I'm a little bit more nervous about the England game now than I was after last week even um, I, like I don't know how much we could have taken from Wales Island because Ireland are just that much better mm. than us but now we've been hammered by Scotland and England look like they're clicking I think we are still playing catch up now to well pretty much everybody in the tournament so uh, well shall we talk about our changes for England then so it's, it's something I did with uh, Mikey when in your absence I'm going to go through the team that played last weekend and you tell me if you'd keep them for next weekend. Okay. And if you wouldn't, who are you replacing them with? No worries. So, um, you got your, yeah, your team Yeah, I've got my list here. Awesome. So, we'll kick off with fullback Liam Williams. In or out? Out. Who's coming in? Right. This is injury dependent, but I've yeah. got Lee Halfpenny as first choice Yeah. if he's um, recovered from injury mm-hmm. in time. Uh, if not, 
I'm going to do a Mikey favourite and slip Josh, Ad- Josh Adams in there. Okay. All right. So, <clears throat> with that being said, uh, let's let's go down, let's just do this one parallel universe rather than two. <laughs> uh, Josh Adams was playing a 14. Are you keeping him there assuming you have a half penny fullback? Yes. Awesome. Uh, north in the centre. Dropped. Oh, who's coming in? Uh... <laughs> I'm only saying this because he's not around to scold me, but I would bring Nick Tom- uh, Nick Tompkins in. I was trying to think about this. Um, as much as like I'm on your Grady bandwagon, and mm. I'd love to see him brought in. You can't bring him in, or even Kieran Williams. You can't bring either of those in uh, to start an international against England. And so I think for experience alone, uh, I would slot I would slot Nick Tompkins in there. So far, I agree with all three of your choices. I think. Lee Halfpenny, Josh Adams, Nick Tompkins. Thank you, Rhys. Yeah, I think as well, Tompkins knows a lot of the English players. Yeah. He's played 13 for Wales. Yeah. He's played well against England. Yeah. Uh, North had another head knock. I think that'll factor. Yeah. And he, he, he just looked a bit leggy. All right. Um, I think I know you're going to say on Hawkins. He's, he's staying in. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. He's been the one consistent in both games so far for mm-hmm. Wales. And yeah. I, f- I feel like... I feel like it's kind of like finally we've got a good twelve to yeah. to uh, you know to take the ghost of Fox's uh, position. I think also he's that one player now that I think if he were to become injured, we all of a sudden even after three caps, you'd be like, oh god, Hawkins is injured. Yeah, I agree. Um, even though I'd say like, well, we have got Kieran Williams to put yeah. on, I still think like almost almost like that back line you're kind of building it around Hawkins now mm. potentially okay uh, Dyer yeah keep oh okay interesting so it's my first disagreement with you oh, okay. I'm, I'm banking on Zamet being fit and he's uh, he's going on my he's, going, he's wearing my 11 shirt <laughs> Zamet's in my squad but I think um, <clears throat> just from lack of game time I'd mm-hmm. rather him benched than starting fair enough bigger a 10 yeah keep I think you got to like yeah. I still don't quite trust Patchell or Williams to start a match. Yeah, I agree. But Bigger's losing the plot a bit. I mean, uh, it all depends on how he goes in training now these yeah. two weeks. What is where his head's at? Well, he's gonna have to go back to France, isn't he? Oh, should he? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Maybe that'll be good. Get him out of the bubble. Get Possibly. him to <laughs> let some of his uh, anger out over in France and come back a new man yeah I'm not sure I would pick bigger but my difficulty is who do I bring in instead of him I think that's the problem if we had like Anscombe yeah. in the squad you would be like yeah Anscombe would, would slot in there but as you say with Owen Williams and Patchell I mean Owen Williams got dropped for this game so yeah. is there something game there that Gatlin's not feeling in and Patchell he's still not got a lot of recent game time under his belt so you, would you want to start in yeah against England okay uh, I think I agree but uh, he's on notice uh, Thomas Williams uh, I would start Reese Webb instead I think I agree as well yeah I think that the partnership is a little bit better with Webb there uh, get your ballers on early I think and, and try and build a lead rather than mm. stay in touch and then score I yeah. think I think we've got to start playing to the strengths we've got I think too often in Wales we start to say we need to nullify this or that aspect of England's game. Whereas I think we've got some strengths 
I think we should play to those strengths and let England worry about nullifying us. Yeah, um, I agree. Like, you know, if if you look at that back line between us, we've just selected. And, well, should we recap it? Diazan aside. Yeah. So if we recap that, Webb and Bigger, then the wings are either Dyer and Adams or Zamid and Adams. Yeah. Uh, Centre partnership, Hawkins and Tompkins. And fullback, Lee Halfpenny or Josh Adams. Yeah. Yeah. So I think... You know, you've got a relatively new England setup coming to a relatively new Wales setup. It's in Cardiff, which obviously yeah. you know, Wales are a different team when they play at home. Uh, and I think you're right because England have to come and nullify this new backline yeah. that is very exciting on paper. And I think if you look at that, you've got bigger Halfpenny and Adams sort of able to sweep the backfield up. And I think they might get moved around a little bit less than uh, other combinations. Yeah. Well, if say for instance Zamet starts as you, as you want, I think you know he's a very good sweeper as well mm. and a very good counter attacker. Wouldn't so want to kick to him. No, you wouldn't, and and that will definitely come into the head of whoever's mm. playing ten for England yeah. that day. Okay, so let's move on to the pack then. Uh, Win Jones, you keeping him? Dropped. Okay. <laughs> um, I think I think this is where uh, a lot. Well, not a lot actually. Just the front row is going to change for me. Go on. Uh, I would bring carry on. I would start carry. I I agree. I similar thing. I think let's start our ball carriers. Let's yeah. let's get the power game up and running early. Let's get the holes punched and let's build a lead. Yeah, like very rare now do props in international rugby make make huge meters of gains, but mm. it's almost like both of our props from the weekend were making negative gains because they never you never felt like they were going to go anywhere when they attacked and yeah they they, they seem to fold immediately upon contact mm. like they go to ground immediately and I, you know sometimes that is a tactic yeah um but yes Kare's upright and relentless running style I'm, I want to see <laughs> it for like I, I can imagine Gatland saying right you got 40 minutes, smash them. Yeah. And then we'll swap you for a more solid prop in the second yeah. half, potentially. Uh, okay, our captain, Ken. Um, it's a bit tricky, this. Like, yeah. Purely based on the fact he's captain, he stays for me. Um, I feel like, had he not been captain, I would have been tempted to have started Baldwin. Um, yeah. Um, but, you know, I think with the captaincy... And and the potential Ken has, I I would he just pips it to me to keep his spot. Okay, I, I had this chat with Mikey last week where I asked him if Dewey Lake was fit, would Ken Owens be captain? And we think the answer would be no. Yeah, I I funny enough, I I was listening to the to your episode and um, not in Rome. Not oh, good. I was gonna say I must have ruined your holiday. <laughs> no, I've listened to it since I got back, but um, yeah, it's, I was trying to work out if. Ken was announced as captain um, before or after. Oh, that's a good point. And yeah, I couldn't. I couldn't remember the exact timeline. Yeah, but I kind of agree with you because I think the sort of beast and unknown ability of um, of Dowie Lake at international level is 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 there is still there, and I would you know would Gatland want to kind of trump himself. Mm. By not being able to pick him, I'm not. This has affected Bollard Gatland in the past, but no. by making Ken captain, you then automatically, you know, does he give himself a stumbling block? And I kind of, I think I would probably agree with you too. He may have gone somewhere else, maybe looked to a future captain to have like mm. 
taken the armband instead of Ken at that point. Yeah. But it's, it's definitely an interesting thing to think about. So we're keeping Ken and we're keeping him as captain. Yeah. All right. Yeah, I think I'm just about agreeing. Tight dead. So Dylan Lewis started last week. Uh, assuming Francis, Thomas Francis is fit, I would um, I would start him again. Francis? Yeah. Yeah, I, I think you got to have now. Although, he, Francis has been playing the bomb squad role for Ospreys, hasn't he? But yeah. that, they do have the the, uh, the beauty of Ambota to start. Yeah. Um, but I'm wondering if... Same same thing, we try and move England around a lot to kick... I, I think I disagree. I think I'd keep Dylan, and you were going Francis, assuming he's yeah. fit. Okay. Okay. Um, yeah, I'm glad Mikey's not here because he would castigate me for not picking a scrummage in front row there. Or a scrummage in front row of renown. Yeah. Right then, locks. Uh, so at number four, we had David Jenkins. I'm assuming we're both keeping him. Yeah. Yeah. Not a lot to say there, really. He's, he's looked good. Um, and then five, Adam Beard. Yeah, I'd, I'd keep him in. I'm going to shock you here. Oh, gosh. I'm bringing Alan Lynn Jones back. <laughs> I, I think beating art of the team. Wales, England. He didn't play badly against Ireland. He just went off for an HIA. Yeah. Fitness allowing after a three week rest. I reckon he comes in and he has a stormer. Yeah, I mean, <coughs> I think he kind of would be that stalwart of this team. Mm. And you've got to have your experience dotted around the squad if you've got it. Mm. So I'm pure, I think I'm purely like blinded by looking ahead. Yeah. And, um, I, you know, that's the reason I think in Adam and Dav, because I see them as the sort of. Yeah, second row partnership for a, for a while to come, um, but if Adam Wynn Jones was slotted in, I wouldn't be surprised. I'd probably be surprised that it would be instead of Adam Beard. Mm. But um, well, let me explain surprised. my reasoning okay. there. Beard doesn't need to accumulate caps anymore. No, true. Uh, David Jenkins probably does, and Reese Davis probably does. So if you bring an Alan Wynn in I would say you bring him in for an experienced player who doesn't need game time under his belt yeah uh, so I can see it the logic's there that, that, you know that that makes sense and then, <laughs> then who comes off the bench just between Beard and Davis I, I'd be tempted to stick with Davis just for the same reason yeah same like I have got I haven't got Alan Wynn Jones in my squad at all okay but um, yeah I, I kept with Reese Davis on the bench fair enough yeah okay um, Shinza's staying in he yeah <laughs> no question yeah so uh, Tommy Raffle started at 7 I suspect you might change that yeah I've um, basically I'll just for 7 and 8 I've just moved Jack Morgan to 7 same and bought in Faletau to start yep I think that looks a lot more balanced um, Raffle wasn't his on his South African form I didn't think no uh, the last couple of times I've seen him so yeah no I think uh I think that makes sense. I didn't think Morgan had his best game for Wales when he was playing eighth either. I, I don't think it suits him. No, I don't think so either. Um, I was surprised to see him selected at eight yeah. when the squad was released, and I just don't think I just don't think the experiment is working. And um, it seems to be a position that Gatland likes to experiment with because didn't he try and chuck Seb Davis in a date at one point? Yeah, Seb's. Played eight. Um, he's always looked for like a random eight to. Yeah, well, Wainwright. Yeah, you know? he's yeah. put Wainwright in there. Navidi. Navidi. Moriarty um, probably, but then he's. I guess you could. Moriarty. Yeah. He's, well, Moriarty's out and out eight now because that's yeah. his, that's his position. Favorite, seems to be his favorite position for dragons. Yeah. And the position he's played the most for Wales, I would argue. Um, 
I, it's just like I know Mike you mentioned it again in your pod last week but it's just and I know this has been a lot on the Welsh Twitter sphere when you've got Morgan Morris having like outstanding performances for Ospreys who he's an out and out eight it just it's and you, and you, and you go for a bigger squad why wouldn't you put Morgan Morris in yeah I, it's, 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 it's yeah another thing we wondered was if this um would this more uh, Jack Morgan at eight experiment have happened if uh, Jim Botham had been fit and included in the squad? Because I think Botham is an eight, uh, so at that point you don't need to see if somebody can do it. Somebody can change positions. You just need to see if this existing eight can do it. Much in the same way that uh, Morris might have been able to. I just I just feel like Botham might have the sort of ceiling that Gatlin's after versus Morris. Uh, yeah, I agree because I think what you get with both of them is deceptively strong runner mm. and attacker um, but he brings amazing hands amazing defence yeah. amazing turnover ability bit of ball carrying uh, good speed as well yeah. um, and he's hard as nails like yeah. you know he, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you don't think you don't, wouldn't expect it from him but he's kind of like almost in that Falatau mould where you know he doesn't look like he should be making these meters but it does the thing with um, Gartland as well it wouldn't surprise me at all if he just suddenly decides in the next fortnight that Teddy Williams is an 8 and sticks <laughs> <laughs> just sticks him in yeah. <laughs> like, oh here we go you're an 8 now mate yeah well more than that later but I, I imagine he'll get released for the Benetton game yeah alright on to the bench then so I think by default if Ken is uh, sticking around we're going to have Bolden on our benches yeah so, who are you bring off the bench in place of Kari? Uh, Gareth Thomas. Okay, so you, you're dropping Sausage. Yeah, I feel like, I just think, um, I, like, I do have liked Wynn for a long time, but I just, I just felt almost like he was anonymous on the weekend. Yeah. And Gareth Thomas has been pretty much the sort of, you know, starting uh, prop for Wales for well for a while for what seems like a long time now and he's not done anything wrong in my opinion yeah I think um, Wynn Jones wasn't his 2019 self no could be a question of game time yeah it could be it could very well be and I think if Wynn Jones ever got to that uh, form again then yeah, yeah. I would, he would be there no no doubt like yeah um, so you've gone Tom Francis to start I've gone Dylan Lewis to start so my bench by default is Tom Francis uh, is your Tight uh, Dylan Lewis or Leon Brown now? <laughs> it's Leon Brown. Is it? I just... I don't know. I just like I haven't been that impressed with Dylan Lewis from what I've seen of him so far. Fair enough. And... Um, I, yeah, I just, I just think like... I, 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 I am probably being a bit biased here just because I've got... I, you know, I, I, yeah. I feel more excited when I see Leon, Leon Brown on the team sheet than Dylan Lewis. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I think I've gone for him to bench on this game. I've always thought that maybe Dylan hasn't got a ceiling high enough to be a superstar at international level, whereas I think Brown has probably got quite a lot of improvement to make still. Mm. Yeah, so, I agree. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I think, despite all that, I'm going to start with Dylan and I'm going to have Francis on my bench. <laughs> <laughs> uh, right, so I think you're happy with Reese Davis coming off the bench. Yeah. So am I. Uh, so who's your back row cover? I've put Justin Tipperick there. Mm. I was thinking Rethel, yeah, but I was kind of thinking, um, I was kind of thinking of who the opponent is, yeah. This this circumstances around the tournament so far, um, I would I would bring Tipperick back on to the bench 
to have as an option to bring on um, yeah. later on in the game. Yeah, no, I uh, I agreed with that. Uh, that's that's exactly what I said. Um, I think yeah, I think you're right. I mean, we'd be yeah, we'd be a bit a little bit light at six and eight because really we've got a seven to come on. And yeah, you know, like you say, you might be able to shift uh, Jack back over to six and have Tip Rick at seven. But what's the alternative? I guess Wainwright, who could cover six and eight. Hmm. I was thinking Wainwright. I was kind of, I was like, yeah, it was between Wainwright, Raffle, and Tip Rick for me. And with Wainwright, I just he hasn't had the exposure that the other two have mm. and I feel like he's kind of also slipped down a bit in his performances he has picked them up recently for Dragons but yeah. he's not been to the levels he was when you know he first came on the scene and Raffle was brought in I well probably not purely because of his turnover prowess but as a, as a big aspect of his game was his turnover yeah. ability and we just hadn't seen that in the game so far and I don't think outside of that he offers much either because he's I don't I, like I can't think of a time where he had you know a strong barnstorming run and not for a while uh, so yeah I, I think Tipperick you just everyone knows what he's about and what he can do and so you know based on that I just like for me that's why he was picked the other two yeah he'd be part of a very strong bench um, moving on to web uh, web scrum off I think so we've got both got web starting so I think by default we're going to have Thomas Williams on the bench yeah I, I'm feeling bad for Kieran Hardy because in that Grand Slam campaign he was really quite useful in 2021 yeah um, but uh, I don't know yeah no it'd be, it'd be really weird for Thomas Williams to drop out of the 23 I think yeah, I agree. And I think with the fact that he picked Webb over Hardy for the first game, I feel like Gatland kind of made his bed with, with his preferred duo of scrum halves. And injury aside, I, I can imagine him sticking with those two. Do you know where else I can see that will have uh, the rugby mad Welsh public up in arms? Thomas Williams starting, Hardy on the bench, no Webb. I can see it. <laughs> like If we're playing guess what Gatland does, I'd be tempted to say that. But if I'm, if I'm doing what would I do... Yeah, I think just about Thomas Williams on the bench. Yeah. Uh, fly off cover then. I've stuck with Patchell. Same here. Um, purely based, um, well, for a few reasons. You know, I, I like him as a player. He's he's got a good rugby mind on him, uh, but also the centre cover he can offer. Yeah, yeah. Because with my other sub being Louis Rissamet. Oh, uh, okay. Uh, I'm thinking Patchell. You know, he can come on at ten, but he can also slot in. Yeah, twelve as well. That's a nice little segue, actually. There, um, I think my bench cover uh, is so difficult. I mean, <laughs> on the one hand, I thought Cuthbert has been actually quite good coming on. Hmm. Um, North would cover more positions, but I'm worried about his head. Yeah, we've got <laughs> enough centers on the pitch, probably to cover center. Yeah, I, I would stick with Cuthbert, I think, just about. Um, I really want to see Grady, but I don't think this will be the game. No, I, I like I, I agree with you. I'm, I'm desperate to see him for Wales. Um, I think he'll probably be benching for the Italy game. Yeah. But um, not this one. I think I agree with you on Cuthbert. I think he's been refreshing when he's come on. 
and yeah. uh, he's looked good. He looked like old Cuthbert, maybe yeah. just with a yard or two less pace, but he still looked good and you know looking for work. Yeah, like he was so you know, he was so close to scoring a try on the weekend as well when he came on for well Cuff um well North was off for his um yeah. HIA came on, he had that sort of half break there, he was a couple of metres out from the try line. I kinda of wanted him to stay on at that point. Yeah, I and um I think uh, uh the reason I've dropped him is just because Louis Ries Samet is is the future. Oh I know he's yeah because I'm not starting him and also Louis Rees Samet does have the ability to cover full back as well he does okay yeah no, I, I kind of like it I think um, well who knows what Gartland's going to do I think <laughs> that means we probably see Grady playing for Cardiff on the weekend I think I think they'll release him but uh, yeah we'll take a little bit of a break and when we come back we'll uh, start talking about uh, club rugby again so see you in a bit bye bye Thanks for staying tuned. So I don't know if anybody will remember, but a few weeks ago, Ed, we had a bash at trying to wrap our heads around age-grade regional rugby, didn't we? <laughs> yes, a, a very, very weak attempt. Yeah, and I think part of that is due to the dearth of information out there. However, uh, we did get an email from a lovely chap named Lucas, aka the Marquis of Splot, who has given us a really thorough explanation of how sort of pathway regional rugby works in Wales. So I think rather than try and parse what he said, I think it's best if I just read it out and then Ed and I will talk about the upcoming fixtures and yeah, so yeah. over to Lucas. <clears throat> Age grade representation starts at under 15s when schools put players forward for trials for district sides. Cardiff schools, Swansea schools, Vale schools all have sides, and they generally compete for the Dewar Shield, one of the oldest and biggest schoolboy trophies in the world. Have you actually seen this uh, Dewar Shield, Ed? I haven't. It's huge, right? Um, so, yeah, so that's something I am aware of. I was never aware of how the clubs competed in it, but it's, this, it's almost the size of a wall, right? Oh, wow. <laughs> and there's little sort of um, medallions on it about mm, the teams who yeah. won it. It's, it's a really excellent... Uh, <laughs> you might have seen it, actually, at the Arms Park being paraded around the pitch... Oh, after yeah. yeah I feel like I have seen it yeah so that's the Dewar Shield and it's wow. yes ancient so Lucas continues from here players hopefully progress into regional under 16 squad so so far we've got your school sides and then into regional under 16s yeah some of the bigger regions are split into two geographically so Cardiff Rugby South for example covers Cardiff and uh, the Vale Cardiff Rugby North covers basically everybody else along the A470 after under-16s, re, uh, players would generally have progressed into colleges rugby, with the top competition being the A-licensed schools and college league. Now then, I've never come across that, Ed. How, how about you? No. <laughs> and again, this, this ties back into what we were saying, that the information just doesn't seem to be out there. It, it seems so convoluted, the whole system. And, and, just... and you compare that with, say, and look, I know now I'm about to talk about <laughs> 3 million people versus 300 million people, but college football in America... Yeah, college rugby in Wales. Yeah, <laughs> it's um, yeah, night and day. And I think for guys like us who are basically interested, it shouldn't be this hard to get information. That we've had to start a podcast and somebody's had to write a long email. Yeah, it's, it's, it's ridiculous. You feel like yeah. uh, what's the national sport and it's played quite um, actively at yeah. all ages. It would be easy to find out who's playing when and how. Yeah. 
So Lucas continues that uh, in the A licensed school and colleges league, uh, Cardiff and Vale College are back to back league and cup champions. Uh, this latest cup success came 24 hours before the squad flew out to Thailand, where they took part in the World Schools Rugby Festival, which is an invitational uh, competition. Uh, they faced the likes of, uh, I never pronounced this one right, it's spelled Sedberg, Ed. How do you actually pronounce Sedberg? <laughs> uh, I would say just Sedberg. Yeah, I, it's one of those U R G H English words I will never get right. So uh, that's, that's another email for another day. And Millfield, as well as teams from Ireland, New Zealand, South Africa. The Schools and Colleges League is covered by S4C, actually. With, uh, they stream a live game called Rugby Pope on YouTube, and the highlights are covered on a magazine show on Thursdays, which is probably something we should try and cast our eyes over a little yeah, bit more. Yeah, I agree. Um, because you know what it's like. You'll hear people say, oh, you've got to keep it out for this guy. Mm. And then you'll start to just go, yeah. And then you can tell your mates. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it'd be really good to actually get the, uh, the primary data there, I think. Yeah. So then, uh, generally, the pool of college players then feed into the regional under-18 squads. So for Cardiff rugby, there's a predominance of players from Cardiff Vale College and Colleague Camoyth, as well as um, uh, other players from Glantaff and Wichich High Schools, which you know, we've already spoken yeah. about today. <laughs> um, the squad will also draw in players from the region and also uh, Hartbury and Christ College in Brecon. So these regions operate on blocks... Uh, so the current under-18s block is coming to an end where uh, Lucas says that either the Ospreys or Cardiff could take the spoils. Cardiff have two games left, Dragons at home on the 15th of February, so that's this week. And then it could be a decider away to Ospreys on Wednesday the 22nd. Now, if that is a decider, wouldn't mind going down to that. Yeah, I think I agree with you. That would be uh, a nice pot out in because... Yeah. You can take Mikey as a yeah. avid Ospreys fan. Absolutely, I can be wearing my my brand spanking new two thousand season uh, Cardiff jersey away um, as well. So away, yeah. Suits. There we go. <laughs> uh, so no, I, I'd be dead keen to go down to that. Yeah, um, I agree. And at the end of that regional block, the sort of under 18s and lower sides go into the international block. Now, for most of the players who end up in that national block, they're unlikely to be turning out for clubs anymore. Um, due to college rugby and then the regions want them to avoid injuries yeah. Lucas says so he also adds and this is going to be super useful for anyone who's keen to hear more um, there's a good watch to get a feel about age grade rugby called Ruck Stars the BBC ran it about a year ago and some of those games have also been live streamed on Rugby Pogue's YouTube channel so players win the under 18 setups then feature in the national under 18 squad and currently they're awaiting news as to whether or not they're in the under-18 Six Nations squad. Oh, and this is the tournament that's then played in, in one location. So last year it was in Paris, and I think a few years ago it was in Cardiff. Yeah. Um, now, the under-18 players can also be academy players, and these are theoretically players that are tracked, identified as players with potential for an academy <laughs> contract. So these people might get a run-out for, in, in Cardiff's case, for the rags, um, as they learn they trade. So guys like, Alex Mann, Harrison James, Mackenzie Martin. And these are all names that I've, I've, I've probably mentioned to you, yeah. having watched the rags at Davies, some young boys who yeah. sound to look good. So the marquee of sport continues that there's unfortunately not much information available anywhere and that all Wales sport really are doing a great job. But yeah, the regions and the WIU are silent. He says uh, Cardiff do have a page for the Dreadings, but it's not the current squad. 
<laughs> and the WRU website usually contains less detail about the games than all Wales sport. Ridiculous. So, I mean, first of all, wow, what a piece of correspondence. Yeah. Like, we're, you can't believe how grateful we are for all of that information. Yeah, it's amazing. Um, so, yeah, we're more than happy to pass that on to our listeners. And I think what we need to do is start paying attention to these uh, results. And, yeah, I'm really actually dead keen to go down a week Wednesday. Maybe yeah. whether or not it turns out to be a decider. I might just yeah, pop it in yeah. the calendar. I agree. I think, like, um, it's a great foundation for us to go forward and learn yeah. more about the future of Welsh rugby. And I think yeah. even if this information only gets, you know, a handful yeah. of extra people who are yeah. keen rugby fans going to these games, yeah. you know, it, it, it helps. It all helps. And it's like, you know, a couple more yeah. people talking to a couple more people. You know, you get excitement about future stars. You're yeah. Like, you know, <laughs> everyone, yeah. every group's got that one person who's like, oh, for this guy yeah yeah, yeah. Like, okay mate yeah it was like um, when sam costello was playing touch rugby with us like oh, yeah. a few seasons <laughs> back and uh, yeah we were like yeah we've heard all this before yeah <laughs> um but he, he does go on to say then that he is actually the parent of a lock in the under 18s and uh another lock in the under 16s so uh i, I think it's safe to assume that the marquee spot is indeed a tall chap yeah um, a tall family <laughs> and I, I love this uh, his older son's nickname is the Slim Reaper at Carlton <laughs> College which uh, yeah did get a good laugh from us so yeah, yeah thanks again for that Lucas um, and hopefully we'll be able to cover this in a bit more detail now as the season progresses yeah thanks mate right then shall we move on to I think next on the dock it was yes round 14 of the URC ooh I'm kind of looking forward to this little international break. Normally, yeah. the Six Nation break sort of feels me of a bit of dread, but I'm glad to get away from it. <laughs> yeah, I agree. Like, usually when the Fallow Weeks come along in the Six Nations, it's, it's almost you're just sat there, you know, looking at your watch, waiting for the, for the next game to come along. But and let's be real, the URC games during the window are usually crap. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they're usually filled with fringe players you haven't heard of. Yeah, and they're all just there doing a job, and you can't. There's not much excitement about them. But I think you know, for us, Cardiff are playing club socks against Benetton, which is very yeah. exciting. Yeah, and potential for uh, you know Grady to come back and get some game time. So that's exciting to see. But yeah, I think you know it'd be nice to have a break from the dirge of Welsh rugby. Yeah, at the moment and. So, shall we go for these in order of kickoff? Yes. Uh, so on Friday night, Ospreys are away to Munster. Those uh, <laughs> tricky one, this isn't it? Because Munster aren't particularly pulling up trees this season, are they? Or, no. or, or have they turned a corner? I'm just going to pull up the table real quick. Yeah. So Munster are currently sixth after thirteen, and Ospreys are twelfth uh, after thirteen. However. There are only eight points separating 12th and 6th. It's not a lot, really. Yeah. I, I suppose Ospreys have lost a lot of superstars, and it's unclear to me how many will be released back to Australia. But I, I don't think Munster was similarly affected, so I would probably edge George Munster on that. Yeah, I think had this not been, you know, uh, international players missing. I would probably have gone for Ospreys, mm. um, but with the current situation, and I think, like you say, Munster not having to have lost many as many as Ospreys, mm. with it being in Munster too, I, I think, yeah, they're going to edge it. And uh, I guess it's something we said, I think, towards the end of January, that Ospreys are going to hate that this break has come, because they had that gritty away win in Italy, 
and I can't remember if it was Zebra or Bears. I think it was Zebra. Yeah. And then their season sort of ground to a temporary halt. Mm. So I feel like there may be a little bit of a loss of momentum, a loss of personnel, and now you're picking it back up away to Munster. It's, I mean, I, I think they could do it, but I think Munster should win that. Yeah, I agree. Right, then simultaneous kickoffs: Scarlet's Edinburgh, Cardiff Benetton. Let's start off with Scarlet's Edinburgh. Uh, again, I mean, Edinburgh, uh, where are they now? Ninth, Scarlet's are 14th. And yeah, nine points between those as well. Uh, you, you, you almost feel like the Scottish teams are harder done by than the Welsh teams of call-ups. Yeah, especially like, you know, with, I think, almost the return of Scottish internationals back to the Scottish teams, meaning that they're even more so um, depleted. So I would say, um, with it being in Park Scarlet and the Scarlet's not having have lost that many players to the Wales squad, mm. some of whom might even be returning for this yeah. game, I, I would I would put, pick Scarlet's to win that. Yeah. Especially with their recent run of results as well. I think so. Uh, I think I'd edge, edge towards Scarlet's there. Uh, Cardiff, we've got Benetton. Now then, we, we can, I feel qualified to talk in a bit more detail about this than, uh, than the other regions. Um, I'm almost certain we'll get Grady back. Yeah. I'm almost certain we'll get Teddy Williams back. Yeah. Um, I don't think we'll get any of our props back. I don't think we'll get Dylan Lewis or Reese Carey back. No, he'd be a fool to release both of those yeah. um, back, for, back for this game. Like, why risk an injury against, you know, a sort of almost nothing league game yeah he's, he's probably letting Falato sleep in his spare room so he's not <laughs> he's not coming Wrapped back yeah uh, he's keeping a close eye on Falato so we're not going to get our superstars back we might get some of our solid squad players back Edinburgh uh, yeah Benetton Benetton oh my god <laughs> thank you Ed uh, okay. Benetton uh, where are they uh, seventh not, not a bad season 34 points Cardiff 13 from 29 points hey this could be a 10 point swing you know yeah. we, we could we could 5-0 them and uh, jump up to the giddy heights of seventh in the table well like like um, Scotland you know there's only two professional Italian teams mm. and Benetton are definitely the wealthier of Italian international players so they're going to be quite depleted um yeah, in Cardiff, I feel like you say, you know, we, we've lost some of our superstars, but still have got quite a really good core squad. Mm. Potential, maybe, for the return of Navidi. It's been floating around for a little while since Christmas. Nobody said anything solid, but he was supposed to be returned to contract, uh, contract? <laughs> to contact about a month ago. Um, and I'm wondering, maybe we'll see him, maybe not. I think Halaholo's on the verge of coming back as well. Yeah, he's not far. Well, I don't know exactly his timeline, but I know he started running training. Yeah, I don't, I don't think it'll be this week. Um, Possibly not, but I feel like he's he will see him soon, definitely. With my blue and black tinted glasses on, I'm hoping the break will have done us some good, killed the slump a little bit. And yeah. I, I, I'm not expecting us to rip up trees, because the other thing with Italian rugby is a lot of their players don't actually play in Italy. So maybe that, attenuates the, the player loss for the for their regional sides yeah true um, you know Benetton are having a very good season they had a hard yeah. start to the season yeah uh, I feel like it might be a bit of a dog fight but I'm quite confident of a Cardiff win I'm going to take I take a 4-1 at this point I just want to get a win yeah because it's been a while 
Okay, and then, oh God, <laughs> Saturday, 25 to 8. The prime time pounding. Leinster will already be ahead of Dragons. <laughs> Haven't scored an opening 10 seconds try. From the kickoff. Yeah, I mean, I know Leinster will be missing their frontline players, but that doesn't matter, does it? No, even if they had them, I don't think they'd be playing them for this match. I, I, I feel like you, you might see, you, potentially you're going to see Leon Brown back for Dragons. He, he's going to need yeah. the game time. Wainwright, yeah, we're probably going to see him back there. Uh, who am I missing? Bradley Roberts is probably going to be sent back. Yeah, so they'll have some names, but I think as we saw when Cardiff went out there before the break, I don't think it makes a difference. No, it doesn't. Like you know, it's it's just <laughs> it's like sort of the you know Leinster is the sort of Bermuda Triangle of rugby victories, and <laughs> teams, <laughs> teams just go there to be to disappear and just come back up on the other side of the triangle with a loss next to their names yeah. and I just feel like um, it's just Leinster away it's just any team in this league except mm. maybe the other provinces it's just difficult to imagine a, a, a anything but a Leinster win and especially with the sort of position Dragons are in at the moment uh, I yeah. unfortunately see a loss there yeah, so if we quickly recap then, we're going Munster to beat Ospreys, Scarlet to beat Edinburgh, Cardiff to beat Benetton, and Leinster to beat Dragons. So that's uh, four home wins we're going for there. Yeah. Awesome. All right, so you tell me you've got a forbidden love of the week. Yes. <laughs> Hit me. Um, so it actually came today uh, on Twitter. Um, it was uh, another post of someone actually showing appreciation, appreciation this is, for Owen Farrell. Oh wow! <laughs> um, so I missed this because I started watching the England game uh, after it happened. But it was the little scuffle he had with Negri, uh, where oh yeah, um, so Negri was on top of him and basically just like rubbing his hand in his face quite aggressively. Do you think that was a bit eye contacty? It was. It was on the line. Mm. Like it was. I'm. I'm surprised nothing came of it. I thought they were going to look at that in real yeah. time. Like looking back on it today, I was surprised that not more of that was said mm. in the commentary when I was watching the game. Um, but then it also made sense about the um, post-match interview with Farrell when when they mentioned, "Oh, you, you, um, you, someone came to your rescue uh, during the game," because I can't remember where it was now. Um, I think it was the maybe this the, one of the locks or something uh, he, sort of, he turned him up on top of Negri didn't he he didn't, he didn't so, even pull him off he just sort of yeah, turned was, the tables I remember watching it and I was, it was so funny because yeah Negri's on top of Farrell Farrell like you know they're having this scuffle and then this England player comes sort of lifts Negri up and like twists him around and so <laughs> Negri's on the floor and Farrell's on top and then he sort of pats Farrell on the back like there you go cracks on playing and leaves, leaves Farrell to carry on I know no, no. But, um, yeah my forbidden love is just actually uh, I was I enjoyed how Farrell handled it because he kind of like kept his cool yeah um, dealt with it really well because you know you we've all been there where you're playing with, with a Negri player niggly player and they've got your hands in your face and they're just being a right prick basically and yeah it's so easy like someone like Fowler you'd expect him to just kick off but yeah I enjoyed the way he handled that and I enjoyed <laughs> I enjoyed the assistance and then sort of Farrell being on top and uh, and then the way like he responded in the interview after the match we just kind of had a laugh about it and I like you know I did like that I thought 
it is, he's not someone that gets a lot of appreciation and if it was the other way around with Farrell on top of Negri rubbing his hands in his yeah, face oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> Twitter would be an uproar well Ed since this is the build up to the Wales England match I think that is absolutely a forbidden love <laughs> yeah like Farrell is one of those players I think that once he's retired we're all going to appreciate how good he was a lot more because he's not playing against us yeah um, and especially yeah, in the build up to England week any sort of respect for Farrell is, is a forbidden love in my books. Like, I, yeah. yeah, I think you brought us a good one there. Right, but I don't think there's anything else to uh, say no, tonight then. Good episode. I feel like, you know, good, yeah. good points discussed. Really enjoyed finally sort of, you know, breaking the ice of um, uh, pathway rugby. Yeah, totally. No, thanks again to the Mark you've splot for that. Yeah. And hopefully then the next time we get together next week, you'll, uh, you'll be hearing from all three of us. So until then... Goodbye and see you again.